0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick
1: in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select. Larry Johnson from University. I'm not supposed of to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, you know, do don't, don't make it. Charlotte,
2: we're back.
3: All right, everyone, welcome into another Buzz Beat. This is Richie. Unfortunately, the Hornets were unable to advance in the play-in tournament. Uh, Losing pretty embarrassingly to the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, What you're about to listen to is a Twitter Spaces conversation with Spencer and Brian as they hopped on, Not, not even after the game. We started this thing probably with like eight minutes left to go in the fourth quarter as the game was over at that point. We had a really, really good turnout, probably the best turnout we've ever had on Twitter spaces. A lot of fans were lining up to speak and, and vent on the Hornets' season and how disappointing it was, again, for the second straight season for the Hornets to lose in a fashion that they did to open the play-in tournament. So what you're going to hear is a conversation with Brian and Spencer. They, they don't really get too deep into the game they talk more about big picture stuff you hear from about four or five speakers uh, on the call we also have a youtube video that i'll put in the description of this podcast we simulcasted that on youtube as well so if you'd rather see the video version that's out there too and as always, we appreciate your support throughout the season. Obviously, the season ended in a way very similar to last season. Uh, we're going to ramp up our offseason prep with draft stuff and season recaps and stuff like that. But if you guys want to support us, there's no monetary way to do that. But the best way to do that is to always share our stuff on social media, but also to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, to give us a rating and review on Spotify or wherever you listen to us. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into that conversation with Spencer and Brian in the midst of the loss to the Atlanta Hawks.
1: Let's just try to start with the things that jumped off to us most about this game. This, you know, this Hornets' performance. I'm just going to say like a few sentences and I'm going to throw it to you and and see where we go from there. But, you know, defensively, we are undersized. We don't have the same physicality, not only as the Hawks, but a lot of teams. We don't have the same athleticism. Again, not only only the Hawks, but a lot of teams. But the effort piece, I've I've come back to for a really, really long time with this squad and – In a game where you either win or you go home, and this is the effort that you give defensively, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, BG, but I think it's pretty pathetic.
4: Yeah, and uh, before I get to that real quickly, Miles Bridges just got thrown out of this game for Charlotte and um, arguing a call with a ref as he was headed down the tunnel out of the arena. I don't know how close he came, but there was a fan taunting him, no idea what was being said. I have the game muted, but it, uh, it looked like Bridges did not react very positively to whatever this one uh, Atlanta fan was saying to him as he exited the court. So perhaps a situation to monitor there. Miles obviously very frustrated. That does sort of get to the this effort issue you were bringing up. I mean, I think to start the game, they had like the theoretically they had like the plan you'd like to see to go against Trey, right? Like we're going to mix up Coverages. We're going to move the target around. We're going to trap. We're going to try to get the ball out of his hands. And we're going to see if Atlanta's secondary guys, without John Collins, right, we'll, we'll see if those guys can, um, can do enough damage to, to swing the ball game. And, and uh, we'll just we'll live with whatever that result is. And, like, you know, you look at Trey's shooting numbers to start the game. They were pretty bad. They were getting the ball out of his hands. But the execution on the backside was just so bad. You know, rotations being missed, rotations not happening. Ball starts flying around, doesn't even have to move that much, just a you know four-on-three, quick kick-out pass, followed by a bad closeout, followed by an extra pass, open three. trap with Trey, ball gets centered to the middle, kick-out pass, open three. Um, again, the rotations and closeouts, as they've been all season, were just bad. Um, and on those looks, when Charlotte doesn't force a turnover – they're toast. Like they just got, they got nothing. They're going to get crushed on the offensive glass and the closeouts aren't there. The help isn't there. The rotations aren't there. Um, so that's a scheme where just like, you've got to be locked in on the backside. You got to be flying around, but it's got to be with precision. And, in, and, you know, you you know, like, you know you're going to get burned because there are NBA players and shooters out there and the Hawks are an explosive offensive team. But uh, but as you were sort of saying, like this issue with Charlotte was emblematic. Like this is where they've been all season. This was not like a one off. And I know Atlanta was hot shooting the basketball early in this game from deep. Like all the secondary guys got going. Herter couldn't miss at the start. Hunter got going in the third quarter. Atlanta basically didn't miss in the third quarter. feel like they scored on every possession. Yeah, I don't know. And then and then the other sort of like I guess if you want to like talk about. Effort organization that type of stuff a little bit more. There were some really bad bits of like transition defense as well. And beyond that, I continue to think that their communication is just like not quite where it needs to be defensively either. And I guess that's like that can be a thing when you got <laughs> a lot of young guys, You just know say I mean? it lightly. <laughs> yeah, but just it, this the second straight year in a row where like they just get the you're like, I you think they're in a switch. Like they're in they're in the, they're in some kind of like switch all scheme. They're playing small, but then there are these like moments of time where they can't decide whether they want to switch or not. You know, one guy commits to the switch and the other guy's not, and then they try to sort of change back mid swing, and then before you know it, there's a finish at the rim. And like, what's well, like,
1: yeah, yeah, and, and and two, it's like, it's like we're almost pretend communicating. Like, we're throwing our hands in the air while we're on the court, but we don't actually practice practice this stuff very consistently, right? Because, BG, you've been to enough ACC practice. Like, you know, like, when you mean to communicate stuff defensively, you communicate it consistently. Mm-hmm. yeah. And this team right. never did. Like, yeah. there's a bunch of hands – I see a bunch of hands and, and and heads moving side to side. But, like, when you're locked in, your head stays on the basketball – and you see everything that's right in front of you and you communicate that way. Like this is some of this defensive scheme is just like, I can't decide if it's a bunch of guys that just aren't wired to play defense and it's the personnel's fault, or if it's a coach who it's almost like three things. Number two, or if it's coach that doesn't know how to corral that personnel and get them to play defense, or if it's a coach number three, that actually doesn't know how to like teach a team to consistently play defense the right way, regardless of what the scheme is. Right. Like those are the three options. And at this point, I'm very confused. Like for this to happen a second year in a very high leverage game, an embarrassing performance like this, it's, I don't know where the blame falls. I think it falls a little bit everywhere, but I'm going to land on something specifically. And I I, I haven't gotten there yet, but it's something about defense.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look again, it, it goes in a lot of different places. They don't have the point of attack defenders period. We've said this for, I don't even know how many years now, but like they, they just constantly don't have them. This team didn't have them. You need, you know, Cody Martin or Jalen McDaniels to be those guys off the bench. But. Um, even those guys like, aren't like amazing at the point of attack, you know, they're probably better in sort of these like help capacity roles Certainly, you know, Cody Martin, I I guess, is like a hustle play guy as well. So they can't contain the initial advantage, right? Like they just can't do it. They don't really, even if they were communicating well, it's like they'd have breakdowns or guys would still get open because they just don't have the guys to guard on the ball. This is like, you know, you signed up for the Lamella ball, Terry Rozier backcourt. You did that. They they chose to extend Terry Rozier. So they married themselves to this, um, at least for the time being even if you had a Gordon Hayward still not solving your point of attack uh, defensive issues. So like there's that. And then just on the backside, the rotations are just so slapdash. Like it's just not, it's just not there. And so the initial advantage is created. And then if there isn't an, like an immediate score off of that, <laughs> you know, Trey young gets a switch and then blows by somebody lay up the room. But if there isn't an initial score off that it just takes so little extra like uh actual like offensive activity to get the ball into like a high percentage scoring situation. Right. It's like one pass out to the re- one pass out to the wing, terrible closeout or missed rotation. And it's either an open three or it's a catch and go layup. And it's just at no point in time can they like keep the ball in front advantages are created at will. And they don't have the help and recovery on the backside to actually like cover up those blemishes. Part of it is also like, they don't really have great rim protection either. And they can try some of these switch all lineups, but we just discussed some of the issues that even their like better switch defenders have with this stuff. And it's just a recipe for disaster. They can't play drop. So that option's not even really available um, because they don't have the point of attack defenders. They don't have the drop defenders at the, at the center rotation And so that's what you're left with. You're left with junk defenses, zones, trap, switch, and um, it's like that stuff could work, but not when you you have these lapses defensively, not when you struggle this much uh, guarding the ball, containing the initial advantage and not letting, again, not having to help in recovery to sort of like corral or maybe limit some of that, like, yeah, the advantage build. Every possession is just so easy to get exactly what you want.
5: and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: All right, we'll we'll go to a, we'll go to Evan. Evan, go ahead.
6: This is just. I mean, I I, I was surprised that. It's never a good feeling when you know I went on Twitter and I saw that you guys were already recording in the fourth quarter. That can't be a good situation. But um,
2: yeah,
6: it's uh, <laughs> just a terrible, terrible. Like I said before the game, this is—I mean, I—I I, I wouldn't call it a disappointing season. You know, where it's a twenty-game improvement over the last two over uh, two seasons ago. It's just such a disappointment that this team comes out after getting embarrassed last year and has just, just no. Defense, no physicality, nothing. Yet. I mean, I, I my head's in a million different places. We have Terry, who was so bad the last 15 games. And after every time he missed a shot the last 15 games, I go, "Don't worry, like he's, it has to flip soon. It has to flip. Too. He's gonna get so hot at the right time." And, and he couldn't make a shot in the first half, and, and the deep, the transition defense left us so many open threes, and just one thing after another. And obviously, the game was lost awesome. in the second half. I was in the first at the end of the first half, we got it down to six. Mello Mellow. I mean, you got to be a little bit smarter. We finally get some momentum. Twenty seconds left. You got. You, you take the last hour of the quarter. You take that layup with two seconds left, not ten seconds left. There's just so many different things. I I, I come here. I, I appreciate the tourist space. It's a place to spot for me to vent with fellow Hornets fans. It's just I don't even know where to go from here. And then one of you guys are talking about like what you know something has to change because you can't have this two years in a row. There has to be some sort of consequences. You asked me be before the game. Borrego space for the long term, yeah, I'm, I'm a Borrego guy. I'm not a fire Borrego guy, but something's got to change. And, and then the last thing, cause for a few things, two last things. First of all, and I'm sorry for taking up some of the time, Kelly Ubrey, I never want to see this man again in my life. I do not want to see him with the Hornets uniform on. I want to see him come to, the, come to the spectrum center. I don't want to see a tribute. I don't want to see nothing. I don't want to see this guy touch the ball in a Hornets uniform again. And the, the, last, the last thing I'll say is that I I really hope I like Mitch Pubjack. I hope that article That came out today By Jake Fisher I hope he doesn't Retire but Or whatever Fire but If Buzz Peterson Takes over I cannot deal with Just another one of MJ's cronies Who Just you know Listen to MJ That's what I like About Mitch Pubjack He, he, he probably Had enough of uh, A voice to stand up To Michael Jordan I cannot handle Buzz Peterson Another one of Michael Jordan's guys Just doing exactly What he wants Unfortunately We'll be back right. next season And uh, that's all I got For tonight
1: Thanks, Evan. Really appreciate it. I mean, great comments. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging in there with us. I mean, all that. Yeah, look, I started the season. Let's start here, BG, as a Kelly Oubre guy. And uh, or not a g not a Kelly Bray guy, but I mean, he was good earlier in the season. Like he was a good last second free agency pickup. Like he really gave the Hornets a spark off the bench offensively and mm-hmm. um I mean faded as we it well documented as the season went on. And I mean who knows what that guy's NBA career left looks like. But let's not rule this out. Kelly Ubre could be salary fodder because of his yeah. half expiring contract. Uh, in, 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 in inclusion with the Gordon Hayward contract that yeah. could potentially be going to the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm not pulling for that, but we'll talk about this in a later episode. I don't think it's the worst idea for the Hornets, and I think the reason for that was highlighted in the Jake Fisher article today. Charlotte needs, if they're serious about LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges, which I would assume they are, and I wouldn't, it couldn't come up with a good reason why they wouldn't be. They got to create space before the, the 2023 season ends and uh, or before it begins rather. Um, no, no, no. Sorry. Before it ends. So I think that, that, that machination of, of, of a trade Ubre Hayward for Westbrook and pay him off and tell him to go away, buy him out. Makes some sense. Anyways, let's not go down that rabbit hole now. BG, yeah. your thoughts on those comments?
4: Yeah. I mean, to be, look, I had uh, a buddy, uh, a BuzzBee listener text me tonight uh, regarding Kelly Oubre. And let's just say I don't think Evan is the only one that would uh, hope that this is the, the last we see of Kelly Oubre. You know, it just stinks or in a warranty uniform. It just stinks because he got off to a good start. It looked like a decent sort of like last minute signing, how they used their. Um, how they use a the, you know, the little bit of their cap space to, to find somebody that was helping them maybe win, maybe, not I wouldn't say drive winning or anything like that, but was was helping them early on in the season, mostly because he was just probably shooting above his head from three, you know? And then once the three-pointers stopped falling, there's just nothing else there. Like, there's no, he, he doesn't create for others. He's built like a guy who should be a good defender, but he's he, he just disaster
1: defensively. it's like, he and also real quick, just to like butt in, he's like, like if you have a small fire of a ba- of a bad defensive team, and you just want to throw a little bit more fuel on it, but <laughs> yeah. fuel, yeah. fuel in the form that's six six eight six seven, yeah. long rangy has long legs, like should be a good defender. Kelly Oubre is the absolute perfect person to do it. So yeah. it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's salt the wound. Yeah, it's tough because it's like. He, he's, 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 he's like the ideal size, he's athletic, he theoretically
4: should have like all these tools. But again, when he's not, this season specifically, like when, when the three wasn't going, and then, uh, I mean, he was streaky, even when he kind of like, before he fell off a cliff, the back third of the season, um, there's just nothing else for him to fall back on. He doesn't slash enough. Um, he doesn't create for others. And again, the defense is, uh, is bad, both you know, on the ball and certainly off the basketball so disappointing, but I agree. Like he might be able to still like actually help Charlotte on the way out the door because uh, the cup check signed him to a, a contract that has only, I can't remember how many million are guaranteed for next season. I think but, it's,
1: I think it's about half. So yeah. Over, it's, it's like seven and five. It's next, like seven and five. Yeah. 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 It's about yeah. half. Yeah. Yeah. So
4: that's, that's pretty That's that, that could be a useful tool. These like the, you know, you've heard for a couple of days now, some of the, the, the like the Westbrook since Mark Stein mentioned it, like, the Westbrook to Charlotte rumors are um, are a little interesting to me. I guess my thought was just, like, I I, if, I, like, I wasn't exactly certain, like, how, which team needs to, like, grease the wheels by including draft capital in that trade to make it happen. Do you, does that make any sense? Like, I think I think it's L.A., like, you needing to include, what, the 2027 first-round pick? Like, I, I mean, that's it, but I don't... I don't know. I, Gordon, Hay- Gordon I, Hayward's missed 50% of the games the last couple of seasons. So it's like, does Charlotte, I, I mean, I, I'm hoping that isn't the case, but it's like, does Charlotte need to, If there, are they looking at this again? This is specifically like a trade that's built around Russ and Hayward. Charlotte's not going to have to like grease the wheels of that. Are they by including some there? No. You don't think so? Okay. I don't, I'm no, hoping no. not. I mean, that would be my hope. Okay. If that's the case, then yeah, I am in, I'm I'm intrigued by the by getting, you know the West by that that, that friendly and,
1: and, and, deal. And, and maybe if you're Charlotte, you have to pick, do you want twenty-seven or 29 first round? Yeah, or, right. or or we're only giving you one or the other. I mean, I don't know. LA would probably prefer twenty-seven, I think, if they yeah. are confident they're gonna re-sign LeBron, right? But anyways, last thought on that, and then we'll get back to this game. I think that Charlotte – I know it sounds crazy, and I think it's not very likely because I don't think MJ is the kind of owner that's going to pay someone to go away, and that's the only way this trade makes the, like makes a little bit of sense for Charlotte. I would not want Russell Westbrook. And if you're a Hornets fan that wants to see him on the court in a Hornets jersey next year, if we're to trade for him, I would love to talk to you. But like, I would not want to see him in a Hornets jersey. You're basically making that trade saying – We just want the draft capital. We're trying to create flexibility in 23. Yeah. We're, we're, you know, we're just going to buy him. If he'll leave $2 million, $1 million, whatever he'll leave on the table, we just want to buy him out and see him go away. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's likely for a small market like Charlotte. You don't see small markets make trades for a high salary player that they intend to buy out. And I don't see Charlotte bringing him in and expecting Westbrook or even wanting Westbrook to actually play a real minutes for them. So anyways. It, it, would,
4: it would be amazing if this deal, if this deal did happen, you know, that Hayward plus a little extra salary um, for Westbrook in the a 20, the 2027 first round pick, and it would just be amazing to have to have Nick Batum's $9 million go to Nick Batum on the books for one more year <laughs> and, and stretch dead money, which is the thing they had to do to acquire, to be able to sign Gordon Hayward in 2020. Yeah. That would be just like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it, right now they've done some, I, I don't know,
1: they've just done some questionable things. Uh, one I way or another, this team has got to get off Hayward, I think. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's yeah. they don't have to. If they don't, though, they've got to get super creative with a lot of different things that are highly unlikely. So
4: it would really, I, it would really bother me. It would. Uh, like, do you think? I guess, like, we could get a little more depressing here tonight. Do you think PJ Washington played his last game in a Hornets uniform?
1: I, I don't think so. I don't because I think he's given them enough of a chess piece. Agreed. By the over way, over the past few years, um, that. And and I don't think he's so he's so high demand in the market that Charlotte can't keep him around. Like I yeah. I don't I don't think that that is the move because that's really a small marbles financial move versus moving Gordon Hayward the, well, w- whether it be in the cap space, which is mm-hmm. there's not a lot out there for cost right you're going to have to turn over some draft capital whatever it might be a young player which we don't have a lot of uh moving forward to get off of that or you're doing a westbrook deal i just think i think the moving gordon hayward deal because he's not like he he's obviously worth at least half of his actual contract but pj washington is uh, the, the The cost benefit analysis of actually doing a deal like that is 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 so much steeper than doing a, a Hayward deal where you might not get much back, but you get the cash base in twenty three like that's what Charlotte should be focused on. yeah, I guess my thought
4: was if p j would if you weren't able to pull pull off like the Westbrook Hayward framework deal and you were looking to dump Hayward would PJ maybe be one of the things you'd have to like use or do you have to like lose to like move off that contract? That would be depressing to me. I'm, I'm hopeful that doesn't happen. Um, I actually thought he played pretty well tonight and I actually think the last couple of months of the season
1: played um, awesome events. He, he was the only guy that did anything yeah. in the
4: first half. Really. Yeah. I just, that's why I don't think you can just, he just, and I do think it's been nice that the last couple of months we can move off of PJ because I talked with um, with Lee and Richie about this some uh, on the pod earlier this week, but I think it's been encouraging A to see him play more with the basketball the last two months, two and a half months or so, and that it's happened a lot with Bridges out on the court at the same time. And the PJ plus Bridges plus Plumlee lineups were really good for Charlotte this season. So those guys at a three and four with. A true center on the court in Plumlee. that was really good. both sides is like was passable on offense and was very very good or pardon was passable on defense uh, in terms of efficiency it was was pretty good um on offense and so I don't know that it made me feel good to see those guys do it together and not even like in a small ball uh, compilation and for pJ to be more than just like a spot up Marvin williams type bomber but to to see him get to be in the short role. To to dive to the hoop to operate inverted pick and roll, can the catch and go game? Like I I thought, all of that was was really good activity from him. So I want him to be a part of the picture long term. I think he can really help this team out, and he fits with their core with their core pieces here. Do you have any direction that you'd like to go to tonight? Or uh, there's a couple things. If not, there's a couple things I was going to maybe bring up. If if not.
1: Richie, uh, I think we got some speakers. You want to bring one in? Maybe we can get back to this game because we went off on a tangent.
3: Yeah, well, we do have a couple lined up here, but I do want to get to Sarcastic underscore Asset because he's a longtime listener of the podcast. So
2: go ahead, Neek. Hey, thanks, Richie. Uh, Even on this uh, sad night, um, (laughs) I was coming into this game pretty optimistic because we played really well against Atlanta but obviously we let the game slip away in the third quarter um it, it really showed a lot of glaring holes in our roster and i and i think uh i think without making some drastic changes i mean this is pretty much our you know where we're going to be at for a while because looking down the roster we have you know the picks that we made this season that that haven't played they're more than likely going to get some minutes next season. If we get rid of, you know, guys like Kelly Oubre, Miles Plumley, or Mason Plumley. So, uh, or, and even Cody Martin. So, you know, we're taking two steps back by playing, uh, Kai Jones and James Booknight next season, because it, it just seems like the trajectory of this, uh, team took, took a few steps back tonight. Um, and this is also coming off of a, a blowout from last season too. So, and it's going to be tough because we'll have a, another lottery pick that, you know, more than likely half the half of the fan base of the Hornets are going to want to see in the starting lineup with Melo. Uh, and it was kind of sad for me switching gears to see the way that Miles had to leave the game. I sure do hope that he didn't make contact with the with the fan as he was walking through the uh through the tunnel. Um, I don't want anything you know he's such a good guy especially like in the community for our team and I don't want you know any bad news on ESPN or Twitter or whatever on the guy because I know he plays really hard for the squad Um, I am kind of worried that this will be his last game because I I saw how we treated uh, Kemba Walker when when it seemed like you know his contract was up and maybe we lowballed him a little bit too low but if we do that with Miles, I could see him walking. Um, and he's a restricted, right, so we can match. But I don't even know if Charlotte's, Charlotte's willing to do that if we're still paying Gordon Hayward the contract that, that he has on the books too. So, you know, um, it, it just all depends on what happens with the GM or whatnot. But, yeah, this was a tough game, you guys. So I'll, I'll hang up and listen.
1: Well, Neek, first of all, thank you for your – you know, you've been following us for a while. You've interacted with us for a while, and we really, really appreciate that. I think BG and I just touched on maybe some of this, maybe not all of it, in what we were talking about right before you jumped on. But yeah, I mean, you got a lot of question marks, right? Like Kelly Oubre probably going out the door, Cody Martin restricted free agency coming on. What do you, you know? Obviously, restricted free agent and Miles Bridges. I, I do think maybe let's focus on that, BG. I do think the Hornets will match anything that's out there. I I, I think – I don't know that. Michael Jordan's our owner. (laughs) Let's not ever assume anything with money. But um, I I, I do think that they will probably pony up with anything that's out there. But I also think that just the teams with cap space, real quick, PG. I don't see anybody – Detroit maybe, Oklahoma City, you always got to wonder with them – like who's the team out there that's going to hold the carrot over our head and just say, Hey, we just offered a max. Good luck from here.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be, I think Detroit, I think so, because I just feel I think like you're right.
1: I, think you're I, right. I just,
4: yeah. I mean, part. I guess like if you want to say miles is from Michigan or whatever, but it's also like Troy Weaver has shown that he's willing to do some weird stuff, like some kind of like, I don't, I don't know, unconventional stuff. And, I mean, hell, Kate Cunningham looks ready. they they're gonna they may draft you know Paolo Bencaro or Jabari Smith here or Jet Holmgren in a couple of weeks. And you could say Bridges just turned twenty four, like he can still technically be on this timeline. You got Sadiq Bay, like I. You can I could see them talking themselves into that. Oklahoma City, who I think has like enough. They there's like they've done enough good like development stuff with their young guys that. I think they can feel kind of good about themselves, but like what they did the last like couple of months of the season, is just like, uh, man, I I don't know. Like it it was kind of like in in a sense, it's kind of embarrassing. I know what they're going for, but it doesn't feel like Oklahoma city is going to do something like that because all they're doing is spinning wheels, trying to find, trying to hit on some young players until they get like the cornerstone type guy a rookie contract. Right. Like it's like in theory, I think if they were looking for any young star, they would just build up around Shea. But it's like very obvious that they wanted like Cade or Jalen Green or Evan Mobley or you know in last year's draft they didn't get that. Um, so I feel like until they do that, they're just going to be spinning wheels in this like perpetual rebuild asset accumulation standpoint. But Charlotte's good. they have to match. Like if, if they get if they get hit with that, that, you know an opponent opposing team matches, I think they or Max's Bridges. I think they have to do it. It's like, what's the point? If you draft, develop them, see them take off and play phenomenal basketball. They're still young. They're on the upswing of their careers still. Like they haven't, they're just, he's just 24. Like he hasn't his prime yet.
1: Um, well, not exactly. only that, but if you if you decide not to match on a guy like Bridges, you're almost telling the mellow ball, like, we're not really that serious about any of this. Yeah, exactly. But, That's so, what I'm saying. Yeah. You just, you just, yeah. When, when yeah. you're a small
4: market team especially, it's yeah. just – you just can't do that. You have to sign right, the guy. Right. There's just what's the point if you don't? So I think they'll bring him back. It's like everything else though. I have no clue. Like I don't I can yeah, see see super the
1: yeah.
4: you know, I don't know how they'll play things with Cody Martin, with Jalen McDaniels. I just I get back to this point. I was thinking about this a lot recently, and it's something we discussed a lot leading in the preseason at the end of this year. But, man, they lost – I know they, I know Devontae Graham ended up going out the door in sign signing trade. Maybe they'll get a first-round pick out of that. Um, you know, New Orleans, they kind of need New Orleans to make – not kind of. They need New Orleans to make the playoffs. If they want to get that pick uh, out of its protected range uh, and in the first round this season. But they lost Devontae Graham. They lost Malik Monk. Basically for nothing, right? I mean, as far as like, like guys that were going to help them win this season, basically nothing. And then Gordon Hayward goes down, and it just became – I just – again, I think the world of Melo as uh, – La Melo a talent, but you can see it tonight. Like, he had nothing for drop. He couldn't turn the corner on Trey Young at times. Um, yeah. Pretty, pretty ugly That's shooting. At 7 of 25 from the field. Uh, yeah, 14 points. Rozier, no-showed. Uh, 8 of 22. 2 of 8 on threes, 21 points. And just, like, I – I don't know. They just, they need to get more. Like there's a reason why Isaiah Thomas was like, uh, you know, a godsend for them late in the season this year. Part of it was like having another vet in the room, I suppose. But also they just needed like another guy that could do something with the ball and pick and roll that could shoot off the dribble. They like, they lost all Devante of that. would
1: have been nice, right?
0: They, they lost <laughs> all of that because like yeah, cause, yeah. Cause they, yeah. they
4: can run some, they can run some pick and roll stuff through bridges but he doesn't have the, like, he's, he's trying to get downhill. And like Rozier can certainly yeah. score and do some stuff, but like, he's not a pick and roll, like a spread pick and roll guy, you know, like but you got to do yeah, we, empty side handoffs and, and that, and he that was, kind of stuff, you know? And
1: he, and, and he's really good at that stuff, but he was brutal tonight. Brutal and, you know, tonight. And, it, and, it, and it hurt him. And so anyways, you, you mentioned LaMelo. I, I do want to get into that eventually. So hopefully we have a question about it. If not, that's okay. We'll get into it. Uh, Richie, let's get another question here. Yeah, I know we he we do have speakers. some
3: speakers lined up here, and I wanted to get to at least a couple more. I know that people are trying to vent about this Hornets team. So, Cam, what, what, what do you got for us? You, you get one You get one swear word. One swear word.
7: I, 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 I have cooled down. I don't need to swear. Uh, Brian, I'm watching this uh, this Spurs game right now. Did you know that Darius Zangaila is on the Spurs coaching staff? <laughs> I did not. It's amazing, though. I love it. I love Blast it. Pa- Blasting the Wake Forest pass. <laughs> Go Deeks! Go Deeks! Um, I just I, as I was watching the day, it just it's just another instance of realizing that the Hornets have not learned from their mistake. Like at the at the best, we were like a seven or eight seed in the playoffs, and that's just not gonna cut it. Like the and it's hard to do hindsight. Like I love Gordon Hayward. I think he's a really good player, but that signing and then the Terry signing as opposed to like maybe letting LaMelo and and miles kind of work their way through it while maybe, you know, working towards a Mobley pick or this year, you know, like maybe trying to flip Hayward for space in a good draft where, you know, like maybe you get Paulo even last year, if you dropped a couple of spaces, like Franz Wagner would have been a, a hell of a yeah. pick for the, for the Hornets. Scotty, Scotty Barnes. Burns. Like there were, there were guys yeah. in this draft out there. Yeah. It, and it's, you know, it's even if we take on cap space for the pit, for the draft next year, that's not a draft you want to trade stuff for. It's just, it's frustrating to me that they don't seem to have learned that, you know, it, it's, it's nice. And I really, it's nice that, you know, we had a, a team that was over 500. It's, it's incredible that we, it kind of sucks that we were in the exact same position having improved as much yeah. as, as much as the players did because of the improvement of everybody else it sucks. The Hawks kind of sucked for the first half of the year to put them in the position that we had to play them in a home game in the play-in when they're obviously like a top, you know, six talented team in the yeah. Eastern Conference. Um, it's just frustrating that they haven't – you know, I don't, I don't have any – delusions the Hornets are going to be like a championship contending team unless you know it's something incredible happens where we tank and you know the couple of times where we've missed on one like Dwight Howard or Anthony Davis like a situation like that but to be in the in the meat of it like heavily in the in the playoffs a team that people don't want to necessarily have to play that's that's really good and I just don't see it happening because I feel like we kind of Missed our chance there. Even if we do the rust trade and we get a 27 pick, that doesn't fit with the LaMelo and miles timeline. You know, those dudes are going to be gone or aged and a, and a, rookie isn't really going to help them there. I just kind of, what do you guys see as the, uh, as the progression here to, to improve? Because I, 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 am just not sure. I quite see it like Book book night. Maybe he'll be really good, but he's not a, uh, you know, a franchise-changing player. Neither is Kai. I just, w- what's the what's the goal here? What's the, what are the moves, and what is the goal? Also, just last thing: if Mark Williams is available at eleven or whatever it is, we end up drafting that, and we don't take him. I'm going to lose my mind because he is <laughs> the exact type of he is what they like. I guess hope that Kai Jones could be, except he is. It's not he could be. He is, and I'll, I'll hang up. Yeah, yeah,
4: Williams could actually be like a defensive anchor uh, in the NBA. I think my hope would be because like I don't think Will again we'll, in the in, know, the
1: in the lottery, BG.
4: I wouldn't go Williams lottery in part because like at 11-2, like I would. Um, I just would rather bet on like a the upside wing. So if, like someone like Tari Easton from LSU is there if. Hell, I, I keep hoping, salivating at the thought of like Jeremy Sohan falling to the Hornets. Oh my God. Uh, best wing defender prospect in the draft. And so it's like, for me, it's like if they could somehow, like the dream offseason for Charlotte is like they get this New Orleans pick.
6: You yeah. know what I mean? You yeah. could draft
4: Mark Williams at 16 or whatever, and you get, you know, Tari Eason or, or Jeremy Sohan in, in the late lottery spot. Then all of a sudden it'd be like, wow, you could. Now you got two guys are rookie contracts, and they, they maybe actually will actually be able to help you out defensively next season, um, which is which is which is encouraging. So there's there's like that's like one of the roadmaps to do that. I think the big thing for them is it's what's tough is it's like, and this is something it was obvious when they made the Hayward signing that included them again having to stretch Nick Batum, <laughs> like something that they were definitely not planning to do heading into free agency that year, right? Like Nick Batum. Gonna be on an expiring contract. You stretch him. There were reasons why you would want to sign Gordon Hayward. He made, he was a good basketball fit. I think there's some things he provided that helped Lamelo from a development standpoint, but it short circuited the rebuild. And there's clearly wasn't the patience or the pain. And look, it must, it must be, it, it has to be tough to be like a, a small market team that's in a rebuild. I, I want to be like somewhat sympathetic to that but um, they need like they need more talent. Like they they need more like high end talent that's on the same age curve as Lamelo and as, as Miles Bridges. And like they're they're even kind of lucky to an extent that like Bridges developed the way he did because oh, and, if, if, you know he, like he jumped a level as like a young talent. And even then, it's like they still need more stuff. And it's like and, yeah, you missed out on a great rookie class last season. And like yeah unfortunately because you were in win now mode this entire season you didn't really play the, the all the three draft picks that you that you had and were on the everyday roster for the most part this season with Thor and, and Kai and, and Book Knight and so just like by chasing the eighth seed it's this again it's, it's like it's no this is not like I don't know this is like not like groundbreaking like team development analysis but it's like if you want to gun for a middling playoff spot, there's opportunity cost with that, that when it comes to the draft, and that's yeah. why Charlotte has to build this
0: roster.
1: It, it, well, and 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 that's really the distinction, right? It's it's were you actually gunning for a spot in respectability when you sign Gordon Hayward, or were you gunning for a veteran present presence that could take some ball handling responsibility yeah. away from Lamelo, help him come along, right? Yeah. But and, and I think that's what a lot of us said, including me. I, I, I hold myself accountable for that one. I, I said, no, they, they brought him in. They think he's going to play games. They think he's going to be a difference maker. He's going to help Lamelo come along. Like, I tried to see the positive view of it. But the, the reality is, is what you're saying, BG, MJ doesn't have the patience to be bad, right? Like, you can get veteran presence for the mid-level exception.
7: Yeah. Not thirty
1: million dollars. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and and that and that's really the difference of what we're talking about. Like the Plus one having switch- to
4: plus having to extend but pardon me, plus having to stretch for two. Right. So it was right, right. 30 million a year for correct. a word for 40 right, yeah, years.
1: Correct. That's, yeah. Correct. That, that's no. the ultimate context is like, yeah. you actually had to get off a guy and pay him to go away for multiple and multiple and multiple years. Just <laughs> yeah. so you could bring in this other guy that you weren't sure could actually play 60 yeah. games a year and also pay him $30 million a year. Like that's just bad business yeah. and being too close to something as I am <laughs> probably you and I both like we, we, we try to see the positive side of it. And I, I, I mean, at least I'll, again, I'll hold myself accountable. I try to talk myself into it, but here we are. I think it's, it's clear what they have to do now. We talked about it earlier in the pod we're live now and I don't think we need to dive back into it, but they need to get off Hayward somehow, some way, maybe Westbrook's that way. Um, but they've got to clear space for twenty three because Lamelo is extension eligible. Miles is coming up this summer. I think we both agree PJ Washington should at least be a part of the future picture. He Correct. won't cost as much as those two, not even close. But he's still going to cost something, and and then you build from there, right? So like they've yeah. got to get off Gordon's thirty mil. Like there's yeah. no other way out. I mean, Rozier would be the other way, but. I'd say good luck there too. Yeah, it's
4: just like there's some other reality where like you don't sign Hayward, you use your space in 2020 for something else, whether it be like a dumping ground to take on salary and, and get drafted. Or just sign way. a veteran for the just middle, sign level.
1: Level. exactly. Like, you know, like yeah, exactly.
4: Exactly. You could do that too, and you could have gone into this season with Rozier an expiring contract. You could have flipped him to the Lakers, you know, for Taylor Horton Tucker and in, uh, in a first round pick. And, uh, and, you know, maybe you would have had, yeah, Franz Wagner or Evan Mobley or Kate Cunningham on the roster with LaMelo. And all of a sudden now, and Miles Bridges, now, you really, now you're really cooking with something. But they wanted to open up this window. Again, I mean, part of it is they, I think they wanted a guy that could help LaMelo from a development standpoint. Again, a, a big wing that could come in, take some tough matchups, help as a secondary playmaker. And when Hayward was available to play, he was that, like he was, like yeah. he, he helped them. He was a good basketball fit.
1: No like question. Full, full stop. We're not, we're not shitting on it. Yeah.
4: yeah. He, he was good he was, when he was, he was there. A good, yeah. He was a good fit. He only he gave them lineup versatility. He did a lot of stuff for them. And so I think like when the Hayward transaction happened, we don't again, we don't need to relitigate this, but it's like all of us sudden we wouldn't have done this, but here's why they did this. Right. Yeah, it was for right. this reason. This, and we're, That's what we just went over right now. But it's like again, there is there is serious opportunity cost in terms of team building with that. It just does stink because like when they've had a healthy Hayward, they've been like a top six, seven team in the Eastern Conference, you know.
3: But let me interject real quick, uh, Brian and Spencer. I, I do want to give it a shout out to uh, Andrew Schlecht and uh, Alex Spears who are in this Twitter space. As I actually went on their podcast, they uh, host the uh, the Athletic uh, Saturday Slam and Jam. But anyway, there's a speaker in here that's been requested for a while. I just want to get to him. This will be our Last speaker request of the podcast. So uh, go ahead, Rohan.
6: Hey guys, um, you guys kind of covered a lot of the stuff I wanted to bring up. Um, yeah, this was just a tough day. I don't or night. I just I like I like you guys said. I don't know where you kind of go from here. You know, we're talking about moving off Hayward, and there's the option of Russell Westbrook. But I was looking at like, is there anybody else? Is there anything else? Like anybody else who's firing money coming out that would make sense to trade for Hayward? Because I kept looking on basketball reference and it didn't feel like there was any other option. What's the
4: John Wall contract situation? Well that's the same I as mean, Westbrook. A free agent. Yeah. Like,
6: he was one year yeah. less than like Russell Westbrook. So he's just yeah. free.
1: So wait, Wall's and expiring? He like he he'll be so he'll he be is, under is, he is, free agent this summer? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. All right. I, I thought there was one year left. All right, my mistake. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a great. It's a great question. You know, I don't, I know there's some larger. Like I know some te- like New York would be a team where I think they got some larger contracts. They would love to get off like Joyous Randall, you know, Evan Fournier. But those aren't expiring. Like it doesn't really do Charlotte any good unless they just think those guys are going to come in and help them. I, I honestly do not know. I like that's what I was saying earlier in, in the show is I think it's like Westbrook, some some future stuff picks with Uber or Plumley, along with our expiring. But I just don't know. MJ is willing to do that. Uh, yeah. That's the only path that makes sense to me for Charlotte unless they want to double down on the veteran deal. Like, unless they just want to say, all right, we're off Hayward. New York, you take Hayward. We'll take Fournier and Julius. Long-term money. We think they can help us now. That that saves you a contract and maybe a year. So maybe it makes it – like, there's just – there's no other path other than this Westbrook trade, I think, for Charlotte. So, yeah, it's, it this is going to be – boy, I'm just talking myself in circles now, but this is a really really complicated uh, <laughs> yeah. season for Charlotte. Yeah. it
4: really is like so looking looking at this real quickly, wall has a
1: player option for next season. Oh well! I, breaking news—he's going yeah, to pick he, that up.
4: Yeah, you think he's going to take his forty-seven point four million dollar player? Off? You think he might do that? But it's also like—I mean, there's no way Houston does that deal unless Charlotte's sending them stuff back, right? It's right. just like they're—they're—they're right. they're, they're like they're chilling. Their rebuild's going quite well, by the way. Um, and I don't think the
1: Hornets are—they're not in a situation. Yeah, today, they're but, not.
4: I mean, the, the Rockets could end up with the number one pick here in a minute. They've got an ace scouting department. Uh, headed up by a uh, long, long time ago, Buzzbee guest, friend of the pod, Coles Wicker, who runs the scouting department for the Rockets. So they're set, like, and they're free, their rookie class is awesome. So it's like, I, I mean, again, I think they would take A if you attached a bunch of stuff to it, but it just, it doesn't make, it doesn't, I don't think that this is like realistic on, on either side of the, the fence here. This is like not what Charlotte's looking for, but uh, congrats to uh, John Wall. Uh, set to take yeah. Who will get paid Yeah I mean I guess Maybe he'll play basketball Next season I don't, I don't know I guess he could have Played this season And then Houston Didn't really want him around But regardless um, uh, we, we're, we're being uh, told By uh, Richie Who's producing this uh, In the background tonight That it's time To start wrapping up here So I would like to say A couple of things Before we fully switch To offseason mode This is uh, Yeah I appreciate Everyone listening Interacting with the With us on the pod in Twitter Spaces this season, um, on Twitter, on really anywhere else, anywhere you've been, you know, consuming our our podcast, you know, again, we really, really appreciate it. This was certainly not the regular season result that we were hoping for, but I'm not surprised by it. I think we all had Charlotte Pegg preseason like. 9 through 11 in the Eastern Conference. So this looks about right. It's tough. You win 43 games, and your reward for that is, you know, a road game, single elimination against the number two offense in the league and, a, you know, one of the top 15 players in the league in, in Trae Young, too. So that's tough. But, again, everyone who interacted with us, uh, thank you very much this season, despite the, uh, the bleak ending. And as we're about to turn the page to an offseason, that seems likely to include a lot of moves one way or the other, which which can always make you a, a little anxious, but I still think there are reasons to feel some, uh, again, some uh, excitement for the future, mostly centered around LaMelo, but, and some stuff with, with Miles Bridges, certainly, too. So, we'll have a lot of stuff coming up on draft, and uh, any other sort of, like, whatever you know roster movement that happens, but thank you to everyone who, who listened in this season. Yeah, I don't know, everyone just, yeah, it, like, it's going to sting for a couple of days, but we'll move on and the playoffs will start over the weekend and we'll be able to just like sit back and you know enjoy those games and see actual uh, defenses that know how to play and defend
1: <laughs> on the court and in action. So, you know, I don't know. More, yeah. More fun basketball, right, BG? Well, I want to yeah. interject real quick too. I want to thank, First and foremost, Richie Randall for this season. I mean, PG, you you kind of set it all up. I mean, he is the branch of this whole deal. He produces it all behind the scenes, even when he's actually on the pod. Like, he is what makes this engine go. So, if you're out there, if you listen consistently, Richie Randall is the one to really think about this. Be guys. I mean, he's got a full-time job with ACA. Like he does college basketball. Okay, fathom this. He does college basketball full time. That's his job. And then he comes over and he just like watches NBA games all the time. And he comes in here and talks about NBA games with us. So thank you, BG, because the hours you put in, I can't even imagine. Uh, Lee Branscombe out there just got a new job. Yeah, juggling a lot of few things, a lot of new things. And you know, we brought him on this year. We couldn't be more happier about that. Thank you, Lee Branskin, for being a part of the family. I know you're out there. I hope you're listening right now. Can't wait to have you back. And uh, last and and certainly least, me. Uh, I have nothing to think myself about. I'm just happy to be a part of what you guys do and what you put on. I'm so proud of what we've created here and so proud of the family that we've created. So, look, I know this was a disappointing ending for the Hornets. Of course it was, two years in a row. But – We'll be back next year. All yeah, right. We're, we're we'll not going away. We, we can see. Yeah, go ahead. It, it go it's ahead. just important to remember. It's
4: like, look, this may have been depressing to watch this game tonight, but at least we weren't having to watch Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert, you know, <laughs> like hold up the second unit. Like we, we do need to take some stock. It's like the team is – Fun and exciting and interesting. Could always be worse. You know, it could yeah. always be so much worse. <laughs> uh, it is important. It is important to remember that. Like, there are there are just expectations now with the team, and, and with that, there there can certainly be some some disappointment that sneaks in. But yeah, this this, this place is not going anywhere. And it's, it's very cool to see the community that we've built up around that. I echo what Spencer said about Richie. He is the one that does incredible, incredible things as far as trying new stuff, making sure all the technology works for us, and, uh, and producing and editing these podcasts. It's, uh, he's incredible. And, yeah, Lee Branscombe, I mean, rookie of the year candidate <laughs> in the NBA, as far as the, the team-specific Uh, Niche NBA podcast community goes, and uh, looking forward to getting into some some draft talk with you guys uh, here. The next couple of months should be fun, and uh, yeah, we'll see how Charlotte's pick alignment pans out here, depending on New Orleans and and the lottery. So, uh, better days ahead, hopefully.
1: Well, go Pels! All right, (laughs) yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) For BG, I'm Spencer. That's Richie in the background. Lee is somewhere
5: listening. We'll see you in the off season.